but we, we can't be paralyzed. We can't limit our fulfillment of our own potential because of that. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it is tough. It is definitely tough. But this is why I say, hey, focus on what you can influence and impact because we cannot afford to stop or slow down. We are, yeah. you know, underserved. We've been underserved for a long time. If we stop for whatever reason, it's just going to get to get worse. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's the one. On the flip side, I do believe thinking big and bold is also important because I don't want to be stuck in that mindset of Hi, my name is Orlando and you're listening to Cooking Back to Our Root with my mom, Vivian Aqua, the D E. I consulted at Amplify DEI. My mom will be talking to different guest speakers from the African diaspora in the Netherlands. The podcast is not just about food, but also about connecting the conversation with our roots and cultivating a deeper appreciation for our shared heritage. Welcome to Cooking Back to Our Roots podcast, Claude. And I am curious about who you are, what you do. Can you share that with the audience? Of course, of course, for the benefit of the audience. So I'm Claude Fernand. <laughs> and also for my benefit. <laughs> so like, we know each other. <laughs> we know each other a little bit. I, I'm sure we're going to get to know each other more. A little bit. A little bit. Good for you, good for So I'm Claude Fidelin. I'm French from uh, the French Caribbean, and more precisely Martinique where both my mom and dad were born, and I was born in the suburb of Paris. Now I live in the Netherlands with my wife and my two lovely kids. I'm a corporate executive or something like this during the day. So, you know, I have to pay the bills. We have to grow the wealth. But my main passion is really the black negotiator. So what I say I do in the evening and on the weekend which is all about creating collective wealth, or even if you want to be more direct, creating more black millionaires. Mm, okay. I encourage my guest speakers for you to use this platform as a way to share more because those three sentences about you, that's not the Claude that I know. So can you share a little bit more what you do during your daytime and a little bit more what you mean with creating wealth. I get you. I understand you. And I've seen a little bit about you, but I want I want the people that don't know you yet or think that they know you, that they get more of why these two adventures that you, these two adventures that you are navigating through, that they are important for our community. Okay. Wow. You're putting pressure. Like my, my life is important for the community. Yeah. Your story is important for the community. Yeah. Okay, let's 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 focus on the story. Usually, people love uh, sound bites. You know, they can just edit and you know, like have have, have as a headline. But happy to go deeper, Vivian. Happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's start with my day to day life. So, working in corporate, I've been working in corporate now for twenty two years or something like this, maybe a little bit more. And most of my career has been outside of France. So. I actually lived outside of France more than I've lived in France. So that was like a crazy start for me last last year. But I only had an internship in Paris. It was for a French bank and it was a six-month internship. And I should not have been shocked, but I was still shocked by the level of, no, let's call it what it was, 
racism that I saw in, in the workplace. And it's always the same process. Start with a little joke here, see people, if mm-hmm. people laugh, and then they laugh more, and then there's more jokes and more jokes. And then suddenly they look at you and they're like, why are you not laughing? I'm like, yeah, we all know why I'm not laughing because this is just mm-hmm. not fun. I know there's a few maybe black people or brown people laughing at the jokes, but hey, they probably feel like they didn't have much of an, op- an option. And from there, I had the opportunity to move to the UK. And the UK was such like a life-changing experience for me, London specifically, still for the same French bank in the city. But unlike in Paris, you come and you step into the bank and you see everything. And when I say everything is everything, it was the first time on the walk, in the workplace that I saw women wearing the hijab. It was the f- mm-hmm. first time that I saw pe- brown people wearing turbans. It's the first time I saw that many black people. Again, it was not overwhelming, like 50% black, but it was still a lot more than what I saw in, in Paris. And that gave me a totally, totally new outlook on what my career could be and what I could become. So after those two years, I just kept enjoying all the opportunities that I had in London and that I didn't have in Paris. The good and the bad, really. Like in Paris, I could not go clubbing. I would always get rejected from clubs. That was just a given. I would I don't even know how many people ever got rejected from camping camping sites. Well, have been rejected from camping sites. And suddenly I go to London and I see people like me in position of authority. I get into all the best nightclubs. People somehow you know, find me cool because I'm black and French at the same time. So suddenly, you know, they, they get more comfortable with that. And that's the first part that really gave me the opportunity to network with people with big visions. So I was clubbing a lot. I had access to a lot of clubs and there I met people. And suddenly, if you connect, you just realize all the mentoring and all the direction that I can provide to you and a whole new world. And when I say a whole new world, it's a whole new world opens up to you. And part of it was people telling me, hey, Claude, yeah, you're in banking, but I really think you should become a consultant next and also get your MBA. In France, this would never have happened to me. Would have been, hey, Claude, you're black, you know, you have a, a decent job, you should be happy, don't push for more, you're going to be disappointed. And over there, I was like, no, yeah, go and do that. Yeah. And then, oh, MBA, oh, yeah, go for the best one in the world. Why not? And just kept pushing and, and just having this type of encouragement meant so much to me. And I also realized that as I was progressing towards that, I was successful in that space where I thought was so special and so elitist that. I didn't belong. And then I got there and I was like, no, I belong. I'm good. <laughs> I'm definitely good enough to be in, uh, in, the, in that space. So fast forwarding all those episodes, we then moved to New York. And then I got my next, next level of black empowerment. I was exposed to a lot of black people in position of power. And that was through Columbia Business School. That was for the alumni, the black alumni of uh, Columbia and over Ivy Leagues University in, in the U.S. And we got together. And as part of being together, we were organizing events. And suddenly when you pulled our resources together, it was insane mm-hmm. what we could do. Yeah. Hey, I got the yeah. sponsorship from Moet. Yeah, I can get the GM from the Knicks. Oh, I can get this person to get like people. 
And before we knew it, we had an amazing event with a VIP section, 500 people in there doing the speech, celebrating everyone. And that's something I, I didn't really think would have been possible. And suddenly planning for two weeks with a bunch of other motivated people, it, it became it, it became possible. So that really, really opened up my eyes on, hey, what can we do when we really come together? And again, mm -hmm. I'll give you the shorter version, but that was essential behind me creating the Black Negotiator because I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I'm, I'm not going with all the messages that I've kept hearing when I was growing up and all those type of things. I know there is another side. I know I've seen it. And I've seen as well that it's not that challenging. A lot of us can do it. So let's, let's go after it. So now it's all about the motivation. It's all about helping people realize that they can do it. It's not that difficult. We'll get there. And just like Kimo is saying, nobody's coming to save us. So we better get it, get it ourselves. Nobody is coming to save us. When you say it's not that difficult, I do have to share things from my perspective where some of us, not all of us, but some of us work around with the perception of the other people, right? So perception of our parents, perception of people from my employees. And even Bob Marley, Bob Marley talks about we have to flee ourselves from mental slavery. We have to flee, free ourselves from the opinion of others so that we, we can become ourselves. And for some people, it is easy to break away. But for, for other people, they need to hear stories like yours so that they can see an opportunity where they can see themselves in you, but also listen to what you have done to see that there is more to life than what other people are sharing, or there's more to life than what they see or their environment as well. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I find it extremely painful that mm -hmm. in some occasions, those messages are coming from people who love us the most. And I always remember that that situation that happened to me when I was growing up. So I was not yet in my first business school. I think I was just started at uni. And as part of uni, they were encourage, encouraging us to read those magazines for future execs and all those type of things. So I came back from uni and I was carrying that magazine. And my neighbor, who was also my barber and the older brother of my best friend, okay. saw me with that magazine and he said, Claude, what are you doing with this magazine? You think you're going to become an exec? And I was shocked because mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I absolutely wanted to become an exec or anything, but this is what everybody was reading at uni. So I was trying to, mm -hmm. to fit in. But having him that loved me, that cared for me, that would protect me, if anything happened in the neighborhood, he would be there for me. Mm -hmm. Thinking like that, it was, it was painful. And it just reminded me, of situation also with with my mom you know she's 80 this year so when she came to france she had nothing i mean it was a struggle and there were lies that i mean it was tough so i understand that from her perspective becoming a civil servant was a great outcome because you had safety mm -hmm. and safety was important yeah. when you came from a place with very limited safety and she was always kind of encouraging me if not forcing me also to think civil servant don't think more than that. I'm like, yeah. what's, what's going on with all those people that actually love me, but limit my potential at, at the same time? And I was, I was reflecting on this with, with a friend that had a similar trajectory as, as mine. And one thing that we, we came to realize, like, hey, both of us, one thing that helped us to do it 
but also to get away from our neighborhood where we grew up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's both painful, but I think also important to realize. And that's why on the back of my hoodies, you always see the only ways up. Because I, mm-hmm. I do believe you have to keep moving forward, especially when even people that love you very, very much, you know, can, you know, have the risk, but not all of them, but some of them have the risk of holding you back. Yeah, I, I get that. And I understand that from, from my upbringing and also the Ghanaian upbringing where I was a consultant with a fixed income with a car and everything was paid. And then you go to what? What do you want to do? Diversity and inclusion. This is not part of the top five that we have for you, right? Doctor, nurse, lawyer, something with, within that aspect. And you want to become what? So walking away from safety and jumping into something that is part of my purpose is not something that they can relate to. But then again, I would also encourage the listeners, right? I understand that our parents and our family members are dealing with their upbringing and also they don't know better, right? Sometimes it is truly what, when you know better, when you, when you, when you know better, you do better, just like Maya Angelou's quote, but sometimes they don't know better and therefore they behave in the same way as what they have known. And I want you to feel empowered by reading books, listening to podcasts, watching documentaries that fill your cup and your mind. Not only your cup, but also your mind. Educate yourself. That's very important. And you mentioned something about your roots, but I am curious about, first of all, where your roots are from, but also curious about what would you say about your roots that you couldn't find, for instance, in the Lonely Planet? Oh, that's a good one. So if I go deeper in my uh, in my roots, so my mom was from the north of Martinique. So the north part of Martinique is where the volcano is. So it's kind of more like mountains and more like small small scale farmers, because you kind of have a tiny hill, and you do your best on that tiny hill to just have a few crops. And like some chicken and like a goat or two. So that's that's really that's really for, for her side. And some people say it's a village. Did you literally the... say that you have some chickens to talk to? Did you say that? It's not chicken to talk to. I'm not that crazy, Vivian. But it's it's yeah, it's chicken and chicks. And yeah, when I was a kid, I like to see those things like like when the eggs like pops up. And then you see the chick coming out. That that was my uh, that was my summer summer holidays in in Martinique when I was with my with my grandma. It was yeah. It's not even a village. It's a street, and then yeah. this, the street ends in this village. If you want, at the end of that street is the mountain, and it's a yeah, it's a hiking trail. And then on the flip side, there's my dad. That's from the southern part of of Martinique, so it's a bit more flat. So you can have like larger scale farming. He had also different upbringing. He was lucky to meet a few people that really helped him nurture his, you know, his potential. And he was through that and through the army, he was able to, yeah, create a good career for, for himself. My mom and dad were never really together. So I was used to see my dad once, once a year at best, because he was all over the world through and through his career after the, the army. That kind of give you a little bit the context of of my roots. And then I grew up 
in Paris, in the suburb of Paris, in a place where basically where everyone coming from Martinique landed and kind of all lived together in the north part of uh, of, of Paris. So that was actually a very happy upbringing because we're all the same. You know, you didn't know that you were poor until you knew that you were poor. But since everybody around you was the same, you're fine. And it's also France. So even when you're like working class, single mom, you're still okay. You know, it was not nothing fancy, but I had more than enough to be happy. My friends were there. Everything, uh, every, everything was cool. But a big part of that upbringing was also a time when France wanted all immigrants to assimilate mm-hmm. to the French yeah. culture. So that was not an area where you wanted to, you know, really cultivate those cultures. But it's really like, hey, you came to France, you become mm-hmm. French, and we are all French. And, yeah. you know, it's appealing for people that look different to have this message when they come through, but the reality is not the same. <laughs> so you can say yeah. everything we want. This is this is not how people were, were were treated. So in terms of my background, for a long time I considered myself French because that's through schools. That's what they were telling us. I think the older I got and the more I got outside of my neighborhood, when suddenly I was different. I really understood that I was not French and people were not considering me 100% French. When I I went to London, suddenly I was very French because people love me over there being French and black at the same time. So I was rapping the French part strongly and the same also in in, in New York. And then I think Mm. it's, it's mostly when I came to the Netherlands that I found more like that space where... You can be multiple things, and and that's yeah. why I, I like all make aspect on being bicultural, because it's a lot closer to what I feel rather yeah. than one or the other. Because guess what? I went yeah. to Martinique for the summer vacations. I'm not, not Martinique. Martinique. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. And then I go to France, and then I'm not that. And like guys, I'm 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 tired trying to have to yeah. fit in into a specific mold. I am who I am. I traveled the world. I did plenty of things. This this is me. And I want also my my, my kids to be encouraged to be who they are mm-hmm. and who they want to be. Yeah. I love that. And also what you said, it, I find it, you mentioned something about in France that they want to, you to assimilate. Whereas in the Netherlands, you also have that, but at a different level it's not by force but then again some in some workplaces some cultures they do want you to speak dutch as much as possible as soon as possible the moment that you come here whether that level in france is different where they really are demanding here in the netherlands they do have certain companies i wouldn't say all companies but there are companies that are are predominantly dutch they want you to become Dutch as soon as possible because they hijack the conversations in Dutch, continuing the conversation in Dutch, forgetting that other people speak English as well. So I, I get what you're saying. And I also wanted to share that perspective as well. And I'm curious to why you said yes for me to interview you for this podcast for Cooking Back to Our Roots. Because it's Vivian. <laughs> Because it's Vivian, and I, yeah. I know it's not. It sounds. It sounds like a cheeky, a cheeky answer, but 
It is. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to to keep it very simple. That's that's my mm-hmm. that's my belief. You have a network. You're part of a network. Someone thinks that you can add value. It's like yes, you know, I'll yeah. I'll be there. I don't need to ask you twenty thousand questions. I, I trust your vision. I trust what you're trying to do, and I can be part of it one way or another. I say yes first, and then I'll figure out what I will say <laughs> and why I'm why why I'm invited. And and guess what? I said first yes, and then I look at the questions, and I'm very happy about the questions. Yeah. I think the questions are super relevant. That also gave me an opportunity mm-hmm. to look at the other things that you've done. I got mm-hmm. like some good messages. It was it was super inspiring. So yeah, just 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 yes. I think once once you have trust and you build some equity, just say yes and let's support let's support each each other. And I also yeah. truly believe. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, continue. You also truly yeah. believe. I, I truly believe that um, that that network for mm-hmm. or make a lot of us are. I would guess think the same, but we haven't really explicitly spoken about it. But I, I do think like big, big game changers will come out of that network in 10, yeah. 20 years. Those things are not done overnight. Already. If you look at already, already. as well. But if you look already. at Yeah, I, I do think it would be even bigger. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at some of the networks, in in the US, even the James Baldwin and all all those guys, that a lot of them were from from the same network. We don't realize it as much today, but it took decades, and then they're really leaving like big legacies. So I, I do think a lot will come as well from from our networks, and and gosh, I want to be part of it. I want to be able to say in ten years or twenty years, you know what, Vivian interviewed me like twenty years ago. That's you know that's that's just cool and 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 you can be part yeah. of it and it doesn't cost you yeah. anything just just supporting the movement. Yeah, I love what you say about saying yes with and I mean we have connected so that is within my advantage. But Claude, in all honesty, I don't know what why the men, especially the men from the Black diaspora, are I don't know hesitant or forgetful or whatever. And I have to go through the 20 questions hoops. No. And I don't know why. No, yes, 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 yes. You'll notice it when the moment that I publish it. And for me, truly, I could have done something else with my time. But then again, <laughs> no, no, to be honest, I could have done something else with my time. But this project, it, it, it's my heart. It's my legacy. It's a legacy not only for Orlando, it's a legacy that I want to leave behind for all the different ethnicities from the Black diaspora that, first of all, we are one. No matter where we come from, no matter how hurtful the past is, our customs, the way we look at each other, the way we address our kids, the way we connect, the way we dance around food, the way we, we show love, there is a uni- uni- universal message that I have gotten to notice and I want other people to notice that as well. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this. But also, I don't have my grandmother, but she instilled me with so much more of not only looking out for 
our direct family, but seeing the other Black person as a family member and having that respect. Therefore, I want us to rewrite and reclaim our story, our narrative. I don't want the lonely planet or somebody else who doesn't know me or doesn't know you to talk about you because only what they got was the, the 5% or maybe the 1%. And while people are listening towards you to, to this conversation, they can relate that it's important for us to win and gain our financial freedom because too often, some in many occasions we are holding our hands up or we come from a poor situation and our circumstances doesn't have to be the outcome. 100%. 100%. And it's, again, it's it's easier than than what we think, I believe. Mm -hmm. It still takes effort, but seriously, everything takes effort. And when we see everything that our parents have done, it was not easy. It was absolutely not yeah. easy. And I, I do truly believe that with the amount of effort that our parents put in, mm-hmm. you know, into making it, you just add a little bit of guidance, a little bit of mentoring, a little bit of support. That's it. We don't need to work harder. We we already work sure. plenty. We need the guidance and support. If your environment has never encountered mentorship and sponsorship, which was the case for me 15 years. And then come to a realization that you can do so much more. You can tap into your inner potential or that inner phoenix that you have with the support of a mentor, because I did not, I knew that I have mentors, but that was from school. And within the workplace, oftentimes I was the only one where I'm, it wasn't easy to just go to, towards somebody that doesn't look like you. You don't know if you can trust them so that they can help you. Now I know better. And now I advocate for mentorship and sponsorship, predominantly sponsorship, because we need sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And if you have never encountered that, then it's challenging to look out for something that you don't, you are not aware of. So I love the fact that you started this conversation with me challenging you to share more of your story, to share more about the value of sponsorship. Because if you've never been opened up to that topic or that environment, how would you know to look for? Yes. And that's just the aspect as well that nowadays, I, I don't believe people can, can hide behind the I don't know. There is one thing I would love for us to forget about, to get out of our head, is mm-hmm. the pride of having done some something by yourself. Yeah. And and yeah. that one, I keep hearing it. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, who, ca- who cares? No. Like, oh, no, I deserve it. I did all it by myself. Well, that's that's not the best way to do it. Was the objective to do something by yourself or was the objective to yeah, exactly. And then there's the other yeah. one that's a bit more contentious, like, oh, I don't want this because maybe they gave it to me because I'm black or maybe they take it. <laughs> you that, Believe me, there's plenty of things you didn't get because you're black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> plenty. Yeah. And yeah. just by yeah. not trying to do things only by yourself, yeah. not putting in like, I don't want it because, no, take it. We're behind. <laughs> like we are behind you can look at the stat whichever way you want 
we are behind. Mm-hmm. And it's not because we're working less hard than other people. Yeah. We've been cheated a lot. If you have an opportunity yeah. <laughs> to offset that even by 2%, take it. And don't do things by yourself. That That's that's ego. That's just ego. Yeah. And it's not going find to be community forward. Yeah, find your community, find your tribe. And we have to, of course have a conversation about the food because that's the main thing of this conversation, right? What is your favorite meal that you want to share with us? I need to give some context before I go into the favorite yeah. meal because that's one thing where I look at the title of the podcast and I'm like, oh, I need to, to find something that's you know, very traditional from, from Martinique and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, no, you know, there's some dishes that my mom was was cooking, but my mom is a big dessert person. That's yeah. her thing. That's how I was brought up. And don't ask me why. The stuff she was cooking was mostly Western, you know, yeah. with cream, like layered cakes, with like cherries and all those type of things. This is what she was she was cooking. So that that really made me think a lot around hey, as part of this assimilation, there was mm-hmm. probably not as many dishes from Martinique as 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 I would have expected now. And also the, the ingredients. If if I think if I am thinking back of when my parents came in the Netherlands in the beginning of eighties, there weren't any tropical shops the only tropical things that they could get is when somebody from ghana came by where they would bring some dried fish or some okras or something else whilst now when you especially when you walk through amsterdam you can find a lot of tropical shops where you can find everything that grows on the african continent and on the caribbean part as well totally in paris at the time there was one shop which was you know yeah, actually, it was not even a Caribbean shop. It was uh, an Asian shop. But there was one shop, and this is where people people will go. But on the flip side, mm-hmm. there were people bringing in, like, you know, the packages from, from Martinique, even for us when we we're coming back from Martinique. So if I think about the dish, because I will give you an answer, it mm-hmm. was mostly around the ingredients. So I would say, like, red snapper with... Mm. The sauce, sorry, if I translate it from French to English, mm-hmm. it's dog sauce. So mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is, but it's just a simple, is boiling water, loads of spices, little mm-hmm. bit of oil. You mix everything together. You put that on the red snapper when it comes straight out of, uh, of the oven and it's, and it's mm-hmm. delicious. It's, it's just delicious. Yeah. A lot of my heritage when it comes to cooking is really more on quality ingredients with mm-hmm. spices. And I do yeah. think if you just do those two things, and don't, please don't measure your spices. There's no such thing as like, a tis- no, <laughs> put the spices. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, people. That's, that's one, that's two things are in the body. That's why African and Caribbean, some of the Caribbean and African recipe books, they don't have measurements. They they say, they, you walk away with, take a little something of this. And we want, the Western people want, how much is a little, right? So I get it. I get it. Just, I get just, it. Try, just, try out. 
do the mix. And, and still to this day, that really stuck with me. So a lot of the cooking that I do at home is just purely good ingredients and the spices. And I love trying like a whole bunch of different chili sauces. Right now in my fridge, I have like five. Just because there's powder, there's oil, there's water-based, there's everything. For the whole family to eat. Is it on uh, for you or is it safe? For me, for my wife, even my daughter is getting into it. My son is not into it. But yeah, it's for the three of us. And we have some for the pizza. We have some, like for the different dishes, we have a different uh, chili sauce. But uh, yeah, we, 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 we really, really love, love that quality ingredient and spices and it feels like you can never go wrong yeah awesome awesome what did you learn from one of the episodes that you watched i remember the one that i watched yesterday so it was with the guy from the coaching platform with yeah it was sergio and who was the Hillary. So the combination of the two of them, I feel like was very, very Im impressive. Yeah. From Sergio, I just remember the the, the richness of his yeah. heritage yeah. and how all that comes together. And I, and I could feel it in his voice as well and in his story that yeah. it went from him being something complex that he could not really explain super clearly to a superpower to a real differentiator to something unique that could really uh, change a lot or a lot of things mm -hmm. so that that part really really stuck with me and and hillary i just think her hey her answers were like like this they're they're really like make you pause make you think i love her answer on the food forget about mm -hmm. those michina styles restaurants you know <laughs> My rice and beans. That's yeah. that, that 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 that's it. And in mm -hmm. my back of, back of my head, I could not stop thinking. Like, have you been to Cuba? I mean, she'll be very happy in Cuba. Rice and beans. Yeah. The, the the stable that got. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Mother, <laughs> <laughs> she would not be disappointed. Rice and beans, solid choices over there. So I I really like that. But what I, what I like the most is there were three black people around the table. And three mm -hmm. black people that clearly had a lot in common, but each were extremely different. And sometimes yeah. I feel like, you know, the media or even sometimes ourselves, we, we can forget that we can have unity still mm -hmm. having a whole bunch of differences among, among ourselves. Yeah, I love that. And also thank you for bringing that up. I'll make sure that both of them get what you shared and... Oftentimes people think that because they have seen one black person that we represent the whole community. Whilst I'm not you, you are not me. And therefore, why not have a conversation with us where you can get to know us better and see how we can add value to your company or to that relationship that you want to establish. So I agree with what you are saying. Totally. And you've mentioned some elements of your past, which you walked away from or you yeah you walked away from because you went outside of your bubble but i'm also curious into how do you look to your past well i look to my past first with a lot of pride and a lot of happiness 
like frankly, mm-hmm. up to age 13, to me, that's, this, this was the best childhood. And, and it shocks people a little bit because my neighborhood may not seem safe. But at the time, and even I would say today, you're a kid, nothing's going to happen to you. Like mm-hmm. nothing. There will be no trouble. Nobody's going to, to come and bother you. There will be no risk of kidnapping or all, you know, all the stuff of things that are on here. I, I hear a lot. It's like, no, you, you're a kid. You're safe. Play your sports. Do your things. You're going to be super good. Then I also love the neighborhood where I grew up that all my friends were right there. So you're in a safe environment with your your friends. You have something in common because your parents, you know, most most of the time are civil servants, similar situation, going to the same school. It, it was a very, very, very simple, simple life. I think it's from teenage years when you're exposed to more that things got a little bit trickier. And really around 2022, this is when I started seeing more differences in the sense of people, life choices. Mm-hmm. I decided to go and study outside of my neighborhood in Paris. Suddenly I was exposed to something different. Some of our friends decided to, and some of our friends also ended up in, in jail through some of the decisions that they, they made. And that that was really a moment where I realized, hey, we've known each other since we are five, but I also need to accept that we all are our own people and some of us Mm -hmm. may want to take different paths. So we're not attached to each other for life. There's not a blood pact or blood commitment and and it's okay Mm -hmm. to take different paths and and there is, of course, the people that are extremely happy for your paths and for where you're going. And I think there's some people that are just not as happy. And usually it manifests itself through the sentences, oh, don't forget where you come from. Oh, you think this or you think that. It's like, no, you know, we all have a path and I'm going to live my life for me. That's it. I'm, I, I just want to be me and... I'll make mistakes and there's some stuff that I did were stupid and, but it's, it's my life and I'll, I'll go through that. Mm, I will not live my life because it will make someone else happy. And, and guess what? My personal experience, every time I made decisions for others and I thought it would make them happy, it didn't because then there was again something else that they wanted from me and then again something and, and then again something else. So. No, I live, I live my life and there's a lot of people are very happy for me. A lot of my childhood friends are very happy for me. Some are not. And I can just control what, what I can control. And on this, maybe on this point, I, I want to share this, this quote. It's not really a quote, but the story from uh, Snoop Dogg. I know, random. Mm-hmm. We have to quote Snoop Dogg. Well, it's or, good that we are quoting him. What, what, <laughs> what do you want to share? <laughs> I love when he, he, he said something about closing the gap. Mm. And he shared, his, he shared his experience when he was coming up as a rapper. I think it was his cousin or something like this that, that put him into the game. And there was like his, his crew. But quite quickly, he realized that, yeah, his his cousin was not having the same level of ambitions and the same goals that he had. Yeah. 
the same for some people in his crew. They didn't have the same level of ambition, discipline than he had. And then he really had to ask himself the question, am I going to limit my ambitions so that I can stay with my crew, regardless of how thankful he was to them? Do I have to close the gap and really keep going and really have the people that have the same level of, of ambitions? So again, it's weird to be inspired by Snoop Dogg for your career <laughs> and for your aspiration, but I, I do believe coming from some neighborhoods, you, you, you do have sometimes, and it shouldn't be the case, but this, this question of, I call false loyalty, like yeah. it doesn't do yeah. any good to the community by limiting your potential. It doesn't. And I think it's more a question of fulfill your potential, encourage, motivate, bring people with you because there are people that want to come with you and maybe they will stop mm -hmm. before you're done, but they still, yeah. you know, want to move forward. But not be like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm I'm just not going to do anything so that I can I can send my crew. Yeah, but also earlier on, you mentioned that there were some people, or sometimes people surround themselves with people that cripple their ideas or their purpose. And this is again in that light where you're talking about people change around around during certain phases through your throughout your life, you change, and you connect with people from the past or your friends and they tell you you have changed but then again you are your own let's say you are your own truth teller who can say okay this is the time where i need to lessen the com the conversation with certain people because they are holding you back or this is a time where you have to amplify the conversations for people that believe in you believe in your purpose and believe in your mission And therefore, don't feel guilty about distancing yourself from the false narrative or from a narrative that isn't yours, but live your life because you don't want to look back at the age of 50 or 60, where all this time you have been living somebody else's life instead of living your own life. Yeah. Totally. And you know the funny story here? You remember the neighbor that I mentioned that told me why are you reading that? Mm -hmm. After he saw my career and my studies, yeah. he mm -hmm. actually went on to do a fancy business school <laughs> in in France. And mm -hmm. after that business school landed also one of those exec position, yeah. large company in, in France. And now he's mm -hmm. going and creating his own business. So yeah, I, I do think again, with the best intent, this is how I was thinking yeah. at the time. Mm -hmm. But then also mm -hmm. seeing me and we're kept on interacting and seeing me and being like, you're not that special. <laughs> you just go through yeah. that, 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 and you find a way to make it happen that he did it. And yeah. and that was really like the close the loop for me is that there may be people that do not understand or not, not really to understand, or maybe they understand and then in denial. But still, when you fulfill your own potential, some people mm -hmm. will be inspired or, or just see yeah. that there's a path. Definitely. And I agree. And also it's a, it's a beautiful bridge to what do you want people to take away with them with the present right now? Because a lot has happened in the Netherlands, but also within Europe. What is it that you want them to take away today? Yeah, I, I would say a combination, a combination of dreaming big and at the mm -hmm. same time 
focus on what you can influence. Mm. The world is crazy. We, uh, yeah. Can we uh, zoom in on focus on what you can influence? Yeah, sure. A, a lot of my belief is in a crazy world, he can mm -hmm. be very limiting or paralyzing mm -hmm. to think too yeah. much around a whole bunch of things. So yeah. the millions of people that voted for the current party, well, mm -hmm. you know, if you think about that, it's, it's tough. It is it is really yeah. tough. And it does take a moment yeah. to to pause and, and to reflect on it. But we, we can't be paralyzed. We can't limit our fulfillment of our own potential because of that. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it is tough. It is definitely tough. But this is why I say, hey, focus on what you can influence and impact because we cannot afford to stop or slow down. We are, yeah. you know, underserved. We've been underserved for a long time. If we stop for whatever reason, it's just going to get to get worse. So that's mm -hmm. that's that's the one. On the flip side, I do believe thinking big and bold is also important because I don't want to be stuck in that mindset of twenty-five percent of people voted for that. This is just the way it is, and this is the way it's going to be for the next ten years or the next twenty years. No, I, I do want to make a difference. I am convinced that I would make different at my scale and then things will get better in the future but i'm not i'm not going to stop for any hurdle that come our way because there have been some there are some today and there will be more coming in the future but we just can't mm -hmm. stop yeah that's true that's true and also i i agree i mean the first day i was a yeah, i was not a bit shocked but a lot of shocked but then again for this person or this party to activate their wishes or their the list that they want to do in within the party, they need so much more and they, they are not getting that support. So it made me doubt a little bit about my work because after seeing what happened within the US where things were turned back when it comes to DEI training and teaching, I hope that it's not the case within Europe as well. So that's Another thing that I want to attest, but coming back to my last question, which is in relation of what you shared right now, but I want to make it more, I want to share more context about the question because the question will be, what's the message for the future that you want to share to mitigate current challenges? And the current challenges is what people are facing in the workplace where you mentioned something about racism from Paris, but also racism is present in the Netherlands, unfortunately, and exclusion, discrimination. What's the message that you want to share for our people, for the people from the Black Diet, from the African diaspora that can learn from your answer? Yeah. If I do it extremely in a simple way, my line is don't stay where you are not welcome yeah. and where you are not yeah. valued. Yeah. I am... Um, absolutely convinced that diversity in the workplace is creating the best solutions, it's creating the best innovation, and it's helping individual teams, companies to win. Yeah. So if you believe in that, 
then I would also say, hey, believe that you should go somewhere where you're valued. And mm -hmm. ultimately, the companies that do not open up to this diversity and that inclusion, I do believe they will be left behind. They will not have creative solutions. They will, it will not be fun to walk there. And the other one are, are going to win. I, I know sometimes if you work for their reputable company, you may want to be like, oh no, I'll go for it, I'll go for it. But think about the position you want to be in. Do you just want to go through things or do you really want to fulfill your potential, develop, grow, and achieve amazing things, maybe in a different place? And things are not the way they should be, but there are definitely a lot more teams or companies that will value you. And I do believe a part where we have to work extra hard is... Mm -hmm where do you want to go and what are what are those places and maybe encourage everyone to be declarative when you apply and when you look for for companies around what you're looking for because guess what when you say hey i want a diverse leadership team i want this i want to plan in place a lot of people a lot of companies would just be like oh no it's one of those i don't i don't i don't want him but you will find one or two companies that embrace that that really see Yes, that's what we want. That's the mentality that we want. And then you will feel you'll be valued and you will have great opportunities. Yeah. I do want to share a few things about what you share right now because it's very important to do your due diligence online. So look up the company on LinkedIn, connect with certain people that already work for the company so that you can ask questions about the client, about what, what measures did they have in place? Do they have an ERG? Do you have a DEI team? And also, people, let's invest in ourselves. If a company doesn't have a budget, which they should, which they should for your professional and personal development, what, why are you not investing in yourself? Because the money that you put in your clothes or into you know, high-end things, let's say that you put 10 to 20% back into investing in your professional and personal development. I see you laughing. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I think I want to I want to give a a, a nod to to Verushka who who passed away recently. Mm, yeah. That's that's, that's yeah. one thing that she was telling me a lot when we're thinking about some of the programs and some of the actions that we want to do. And so that Claude, people have the money. They all yeah. have icons. They all have iPhones. They have the money. Yeah. They, they, they can spend. So that's, that's they where wear what... They wear Nikes. They wear a lot of luxury goods. So if you exactly. have the money for that to invest, make sure that you put, a, put aside 10 to 20%. I'm not asking you half. Put aside 10 to 20% and put that into investing, right? You heard Clark going to an MBA. You heard Clark going to a university. All these educational journeys that you can take, even when you take masterclass online, right? There are so many different platforms where you can learn. And some of these platforms even offer sponsorships so that you don't have to pay the high end, but still don't stand still. Do something about your professional development. That's the message that I want to take away. Totally. And, and I encourage people to think through, it's not just that you're spending money, it's an investment mm -hmm. and an investment has a return investment. investment. A lot of people looked yeah. at me like I was crazy when 
I took a loan for my first business school. I forgot how much it was, maybe 20,000 euros, 15,000 euros. I'm like, what? Claude, 15,000 euros, 20,000? That loan was paid back in one year. Yeah. One year done. And then I went for my MBA and the MBA was $200,000, but my company paid half of it. So I think they paid 100,000 or 70,000, but they're still like, Claude, 100, like, this is a lot of money. That loan was paid back in four years. Yeah. And when you start to think about things like this, it's, it's more like, oh, Claude, you no, it's like, why don't you do it? Yeah. <laughs> if you have a plan and that things will multiply your income, why don't you do it? The moment, the moment I was accepted at my MBA, my company doubled my salary. I didn't even graduate yet. I was mm -hmm. just accepted into the MBA. My salary doubled. That's a, so, that's a huge incentive. And also, there are different ways to, to get your MBAs, right? There are MBAs that are really costly. And therefore, there are companies that are invested. Like Claude is mentioning his company invested in his MBA for 50%. Make sure when you have your salary negotiations that you do a negotiation. Or next time that you are having an interview, bring that into the negotiation as well. We have an opportunity there to bring elements into negotiation. Don't wait upon somebody has to review you because then you're too late. That's my perspective on things. Totally agree with you. You have to plan those things in advance. You need to have a vision. You need to have a plan. And don't be shy. Remember, yeah. you add value. You're in a place that should recognize that you're adding value. Mm -hmm. Them developing you just adds more value to the company. Don't 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 think it's a gift that they give you if they give you money for education. They paid half of my MBA, but then I was forced to stay there for two years. They got yeah. their money back. Don't worry. They got their money back. I got I got yeah. also the value. So it can work for everyone. Thank you. It was I mean, I'm I'm still like I want to ask so much more, but then again, <laughs> next episode, I next episode, and <laughs> next episode exactly. I do want to encourage the people that are listening. If you have any questions, please share them or reach out to Claude in 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 person, right, or via LinkedIn, because I have learned. I'm I'm still processing what I've I've learned so far, but Claude. You should do more conversations because we need this. That's it. We need to have more conversations where you share you, but also I've learned so much through food, talking to you, so much about you, so much about your culture, so much about your mindset that I understand you better. Thanks a lot, Vivian. And thanks yeah. for not looking at me like I was crazy. With some no, 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 never, never. But you know, it's not it's not always the case. You know, I, I do I do also have the occasional moments. So it's also important for me personally to have that reinforcement that some people mm -hmm. you know, get it, appreciate my yeah. views, that it can be helpful, yeah. and I'm not totally crazy. No, I am thinking of something, and I think that I'm going to encourage Kimo to host his own podcast. I don't know if he's going to do it, but I'm going to challenge him because. You mentioned something about the OMA community. When we learn to tap into our superpowers, we can reach so much more within this community. So I'm going to drop that on him, challenge him with that. And it helps if you can challenge him back as well, then he knows that for sure. But 
I appreciate you for sharing that with me so that I know what to tell Kimo. Yes. I'll say the same, and I'm sure you will hate us when we tell him. Yeah. But two years later, yeah. three years later, mm-hmm. we thank us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cooking Back to Our Roots. I hope you enjoyed my mom's conversation with the guest speakers. If you love what you heard today, don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family. Until next time, bye.